0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everybody. Cheryl Ackeson here. Welcome to another edition of Full Measure After Hours. Today we're going to talk about bringing down the exorbitant cost of what we pay for hospital and medical services like surgery, MRIs, and lab tests. It turns out solving the problem may be relatively simple, but that sure doesn't mean it's easy. At the outset, I think it's worth saying that after talking to many, many health experts over the years about this, including Democrats, Republicans, and nonpartisans, The ones with the best track record say that the answer to solving our healthcare costs isn't with spreading around the cost by giving insurance for everyone. In fact, they say that just ensures the costs will continue to go up because someone's willing to pay them and spread out the costs. The answer, according to the experts I trust most, lies in actually reducing healthcare costs at the root of the problem. It won't be solved if everybody has insurance. It won't be solved, they say, if the government provides insurance for everyone, that just escalates the cost. So what is the answer? A lot of people think it's negotiating rates with hospitals, with doctors, with using buying and purchase power to shop around, to make sure that what consumers are paying for, what patients are paying for, is more in line with what things cost. And that's what a lot of states are trying to do, is they try to make their state health care plan solvent which is part of what we're talking about today. Do you have something to say and want to make your own podcast? Let me tell you how to do that for free with Anchor. Anchor has creation tools that let you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. You can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's all you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Joining me right now, don't get too excited, folks, David Bernkoff, investigative producer extraordinaire, is back because not only did he cover and actually think of the most recent story we did in North Carolina on healthcare costs, he also, I think, found and covered with me the Montana story we previously did. Let's review briefly. I still think Montana is one of the most interesting stories I've ever covered from figuring out money and health care costs. Do you want to just do the brief summary of how Montana successfully got the cost of their state health insurance program for state employees and retirees and their family? How they got that under control, because it was going to go belly up before they tried this initiative?
1: It's like a lot of states. They have their own health coverage they provide to employees and families and retirees, and it costs a lot of money, and it costs more money in many states than they're bringing in through whatever premiums or taxes are available. So Montana just happened to be one of the first places where a retired, wonderful character named Marilyn Bartlett was brought in she had worked in the insurance industry so she knew a little more she from the knew other her side steps. yeah and she was a tough negotiator and she said to the relatively small hospital groups that operate in Montana here's what we're going to pay you it's going to be more than medicare pays you it's enough you can make a profit on it here's what we're going to do and those hospitals said uh-uh we ain't going along with this and if you don't Uh, agreed to, are continuing the way things are, none of your state employees will be able to use a hospital in Montana. And she basically faced them down. She
0: called their bluff, if it was a bluff.
1: Right. And they eventually agreed, and the numbers have turned around substantially.
0: I mean, really incredibly, because the, the reason they did this, they actually had passed a law that said, by statute, they had to fix this program that was underwater and going to go bankrupt. So she came in with this mandate. Even other state officials didn't like it because think of the influences of the hospital and medical industry and the insurance industry, the donations that come in from them. They wield so much power, but she had the fact that the law was on her side, the law saying you have to do this by a certain deadline. And yeah, in the end, I guess the hospitals blinked because they're the ones who gave in and agreed to the new pricing structure that's turned everything around there.
1: And one of the things, one of the reasons is probably that Montana's a pretty small, out-of-the-way in terms of media state. So and the big wait. hospital associations didn't get involved.
0: Talk about this. When we were researching the story, which I think still think, like I said, is an incredible story, there was almost... No news coverage about it, and certainly almost none in Montana, where this should be headline news day after day. And that told me, you know, how I think about management of the news these days. There was some management of the news going on because this should have been front and center and was not.
1: I had seen an interview, a printed interview, on the NPR website. That was how I first heard of it. And when I went to look at the newspapers and TV stations in Montana, no coverage, none at all. So I think other than NPR, we're the only people who've covered this story and certainly the only ones who've covered it in the kind of depth we've covered it in.
0: Let me me divert a little bit to say some years ago when I was at investigative reporters and editors, the IRE investigative conference, big one that happens every year for journalists, I talked to the local news reporters there. They're local and national, print, broadcast, web, all kinds. And some years ago, when we were in a circle talking, I said, we were saying to each other, who's influencing the news now? Because we all, behind the scenes, me at CBS or wherever I've worked, and them in local news, we know there are certain industries that management doesn't really want you to report on for various reasons, or certain corporations or certain interests. So I remember saying a couple years ago, what are yours? And all of them from different areas said hospitals. The other thing they said that's not relevant to this story was car dealerships, but hospitals. Car dealerships
1: clearly for local (laughs) TV are important.
0: So I don't know if people know, they may kind of assume it when they hear us say it, oh yeah, but you may not know how much what you see and more importantly maybe what you don't see on the news could be influenced by industries, and I think in Montana, it's very likely that those powerful industries were keeping this off the headlines.
1: So then, Mm -hmm. because of the success, you might logically think other states would want to emulate this, and sure enough, a few other states decided, let's see if we can do what Montana did.
0: In fact, when we were covering the story, Marilyn, what was her last name? Bartlett. Marilyn Bartlett, the woman responsible for Montana's turnaround, told us That other states had called her and were kind of consulting with her about how they could do it, too.
1: So the treasurer of the state of North Carolina, in that state, the treasurer has... uh, Dale Falwell. Dale Falwell has responsibility for managing the cost of that, that state's employee and retiree and family health system, which in Montana you were talking about thirty to thirty five thousand people covered by it. tiny state population wise in North Carolina you were talking about over seven hundred thousand people and you have much bigger more connected more important um, hospital uh, systems including the University of North Carolina, Duke University, these are big players And they decided to make a stand in North Carolina. That's pretty clear.
0: And they knew it was coming because Dale Falwell, the treasurer, ran on this platform that he was going to fix this problem, which I think everybody agrees needs fixing. They don't have the money to stay afloat. I think they're projected to go belly up in a couple of decades, but, you know, really having problems with solvency. So the hospital industry, when he got elected, knew what was coming, and he called his plan the Clear Pricing Project, CPP.
1: And it was very much modeled on the Montana system, local tweaks. And uh, at first they offered to pay hospitals for procedures, whatever Medicaid pays, that set rate. Medicare. Plus, Medicare, sorry, Medicare, plus 66%, not 16%, 66%. So,
0: so let's do an example,
1: a, like an a,
0: MRI of your knee.
1: If it was going to cost you, if Medicaid, Medicare, what is it? No, no, no.
0: Medicare Federal. Medicare federal,
1: State. Med, federal Medicare would pay the hospital $1,000 to do that MRI. The state of North Carolina would pay $1,660 for that same procedure. So a procedure. lot more. A lot more. Now, well, wait,
0: let's, let's, let's divert. Let's go back again and say this pricing structure everywhere Is a secret. That's what the big deal is. The hospitals do not tell their customers, you know, nobody knows what they really pay and what things really cost. They just get this sort of formulaic thing, which leads to one hospital may charge $800 for an MRI and one may charge $9,000 without explanation. So Dale Falwell started much as they did in Montana with asking the hospitals to provide. What the costs are, so we can give you a fair markup, you know that we can like actually see and standardize and make this predictable.
1: And there was a moment in the interview
0: that we did for full measure. We
1: did for full measure that if you have seen the piece or'll see the piece, you will see the visualization of this where Falwell gets back from the University of North Carolina system. Now remember, this is a state school, University of North Carolina. But they maintain their health system under a separate board of directors, so they are not technically run by the state, but they certainly are funded by the state. And And they
0: don't just treat university students, they treat the state employees. they treat people in the state.
1: And the state sent back, when he asked for all of their costs for procedures, what did the state send him back?
0: A bundle of blacked out papers, like getting a freedom of information response from the federal government. That's what it reminded me of.
1: Every page almost covered in black. And they told him the same thing that they told Montana. This is proprietary. You can't know it because it would affect our ability to compete. All these excuses for why the institution paying for the health care couldn't know Why it was paying what it was paying. Why
0: the public? Why the customer? I mean, how many models are there where you're told you can't possibly know the secretive information that you're paying for that's that's basically being used to charge you? And the
1: argument, one of the arguments that the North Carolina Hospital Association made was, well, when you go to Home Depot or you go to Ace Hardware, they don't tell you what it costs them for a light bulb. And if you knew what it cost them for a light bulb and that was public, then that would affect the whole business model of Home Depot versus Ace Hardware. The problem with that argument, as we know from covering this issue, is to compare health care to any other business is ridiculous because the customer doesn't have any information. It's not like you go in and you say, oh, it costs a I don't know what they pay for a light bulb, but I know what I pay for the light bulb. You You don't don't even even know what what you you pay pay for the light bulb.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And you're not the one who's funding Home Depot. Like, in the end, the taxpayers have a big role in the funding of these institutions that are then hired to service the taxpayers and the state employees and are still being told you as the customer and the funder can't have the information. And
1: also the idea that, I mean, we all know we can go to a dozen places and see what a light bulb costs and make a rational decision that's not really analogous to if you've broken your leg and you've got to get it fixed that you could then go to a dozen Shop hospitals around and, ask and doctors them and know yeah. that, you know you got to get it done quickly and you have to get it done in a place that accepts your insurance so it's just it, it's an ongoing endless way to keep the consumer whether it's the state of North Carolina or Montana or any individual, from actually knowing what things cost. Which
0: is happening at the federal level. I think this is why it's so hard, why all of Congress's solutions seem to center on getting everybody insurance, which we can talk about that another time, but will not solve the problem of cost. It just spreads the cost around. But I'm going to make now my view of what I think was the hospital association's best argument. Tell me if I get this correct if you think I've gotten this correctly, correct, if I describe it correctly. That is, and I thought this was interesting because I hadn't heard it. They say maybe we could live off the money, the 66%. We'll talk about how that was negotiated later again. But the 66% above Medicare maybe would be enough if the hospitals only were treating state employees and their families. But you guys have to give us enough money to handle all these patients who can't or won't pay their bills that are not state employees. We have an ethical obligation to take care of them regardless of their ability to pay. How are we going to do that if we don't charge the ones who can pay more to cover them? And I think they have a point there. How are they going to cover the bills for the indigent or the ones who simply don't pay their bills or whatever the reason is if they can't take more from those who do pay?
1: I think that is a a good point they make, and they make another good point. Again, they try to make this unique to North Carolina because we were talking to the North Carolina Hospital Association. I'm sure other states with similar hospitals would make the same point, and that is that North Carolina has research hospitals. They have University of North Carolina and Duke and Wake Forest, and those hospitals do more than just treat people they do research they have capital expenditures that have to be covered also that maybe a small regional or rural hospital doesn't have and so you can't handcuff them with uh price uh, restrictions
0: on the other hand and you can watch this story we're recording this on friday the 28th of february but it airs on full measure uh What is that, March 1st on Sunday? March 1st, it's a leap year. You can go to fullmeasure.news and watch it if you're interested more, and you'll hear a discussion, another counterpoint on the other hand, where I talk about with the hospital association the notion that, while they're not exactly poor. If you look at their operating profits, I read back some of those figures. If you look at the compensation for CEOs, you know, $6 million in compensation in a year in one example, I'm not saying they don't deserve it. I'm not saying it isn't a giant corporation or industry, but it's not as if all the money is going to pay for indigent patients and that the hospitals are barely squeaking by, which is sometimes the impression they seem to try to give.
1: Yes, and the hospital association uh, head, Stephen Lawler, I think was his name, notes that there's a pretty wide range of that profit percentage. He says in the interview it was from 2 to 18 percent so 2% is a pretty small margin. Like That's like a, what a grocery store makes. It's like really barely breaking even. But 18% is not a small margin. That's pretty successful business by any measure.
0: So when the hospital association, the hospitals balked at the 66% above Medicare, which had happened in Montana as well, the treasurer of North Carolina started negotiating and offering a little more and a little more. Do you want to kind of describe yeah, that? Yeah,
1: he went up. From 66% to 70-something percent to 80-something percent to just a little over 90% more than the federal reimbursement. And the hospital association kept saying no, and they said no long enough that the treasurer had to back away from that part of his reform. And so it it did not get passed.
0: There were million-dollar ad campaigns on both sides. He was pilloried you know, by those who did not want this plan to go through. Um, of course, a lot of people supported it, but this is
1: just... So he got smaller hospital chains and doctor's associations to agree to the pricing, pricing plan. But that's so small. It
0: doesn't save enough it, it money. It doesn't save really...
1: enough money. It's the big hospitals where the big cost is. And he says he's going to try to get at it again next year, but... Treasurer of North Carolina is an elected job and three Democrats are vying to run against him. He's in there. A Republican He's a Republican and they're all citing his failure <laughs> to get this reform passed as the reason why he should be thrown out of office. So
0: I mean CV we'll
1: gets another chance at it.
0: Something to learn at the federal level when you think about I think it being even harder for federal politicians to tackle the same issues if they try, which is probably why they're not even trying and then going up against the big money of the insurance industry, the medical industry, and the hospitals. So let's talk about briefly what each side says they're going to do next. You can you want to do the hospitals or Falwell? He had some ideas, and hospitals said they had their own. You don't remember?
1: I don't remember. Oh, okay, I'll start
0: it. You can pick it up if you remember. But the hospitals favor a model called value-based right. pricing, something right. like that. And the way they described it – you know, it sounds like a good idea, but one little drawback I thought of, their their idea was to better manage chronic patients. In other words, put a lot of resources into making people that suck a lot of um resources out of the healthcare system, make them healthier. But then reduce
1: hospital visits that yes. way and therefore reduce overall cost.
0: But the problem with that is, he said the hospital association representative, and then fold in any savings into, you know, infrastructure or I assume profits or new initiatives, meaning you're not, you haven't saved anything. You haven't returned anything to the consumer who cannot afford this level of cost. They're just talking about, hey, if we make savings, we're just going to scoop that up and put that in another pot.
1: Right. It didn't seem like if you followed their argument to its logical conclusion that there would be any less money going into that hospital pot.
0: Now, do you remember the North Carolina treasurer? So, though he had an idea too, the and it was bundling. something about yes, bundling or bulk um, services.
1: <laughs> I it didn't. Um,
0: well, we didn't ask him a whole yeah, lot. Yeah, we didn't about ask it, him
1: a lot about it because he also said he was going to get back to trying to fight the same fight again if he's reelected. I guess bundling was a was a different way to try to set a limit on costs that didn't tie it to the federal reimbursement
0: rate. Well, one of the smartest things and other coverage we've done, and I don't know if this is similar to what he was thinking about, but there are doctors now who are outside the insurance system entirely. And this is what I think we'd see a lot more of if we got some sort of federalized Medicare for all. There would be a lot of doctors getting out of the insurance system, seeing patients just for a monthly fee, keeping them healthy, taking care of them, Or a monthly fee plus, you know, plus certain costs. And as we saw when we've covered doctors who have already done this, it is so much cheaper. Lab tests that literally a relative of mine was charged over $1,000 for cost $25 done by the same lab when the doctor directly books and it doesn't go through insurance and it doesn't go through the system. So you can start to see how costs would probably reduce dramatically if that model could be sustained on a broader basis.
1: But that still leaves the issue of significant hospitalizations and what those things cost, because those plans, they cover you up to a certain point. But if you're going in because you've got a chronic health issue and need to be in rehab or need to be in a hospital for an extended period of time, that fee that you pay the doctor doesn't cover all of that.
0: And then I'm going to sum up sort of my summarize sum up my last thought which is I just think a lot of people after speaking to so many experts a lot of people miss the mark when they say costs can be controlled again by maybe spreading out the cost of giving everybody insurance they don't understand what other experts say which is that just means Hospitals, insurance companies, pharmaceutical industry, they're all negotiating these deals with your employer and maybe with the state or whoever they're covering that benefit them in terms of everybody getting a cut of the action but ultimately do not benefit you. Now, it may look good to you because you get a copayment of $5 on a $10,000 hospital bill, um, and you think, look at all the money I saved through my insurance. What you don't realize is you paid that $10,000. You paid the overinflated cost of the bare minimal services you got at the hospital through part of your premiums that are spread out. It wasn't the $5 copay, but they kind of get you focusing on wiping your brow and saying, well, at least I didn't have to pay that. I love my insurance, when in fact sometimes it is the negotiated rates by the insurance companies and the other people involved in the chain that keep the prices so high.
1: And I think my takeaway, I haven't been covering this as long as you have, but my takeaway from these stories and certain other stories we've done is that the way the system works, the reason you have what you just described, all these things being negotiated somewhere else, is the reason why you can't get these reforms. The idea that state important people in the sta- in the states of this country can't even get the the bare minimum of numbers from their own hospitals that operate in their states it tells you how impossible it is to reform a system if you can't get that information you don't even know what to base your reform on it's all designed to keep the consumer the buyer, even probably the corporations who are covering a lot of uh, insurance benefits for people, keep everybody in the dark about what the real costs are.
0: And I'll bake your noodle on this one. (laughs) Even when they go by Medicare costs, because Medicare has done sort of a pricing and a negotiation that at least is a, a starting point, but those rates, what Medicare pays a doctor, a specialist for a procedure, for a device, what it doesn't pay, what it won't cover, that's all negotiated in secret and i believe these meetings that take place every other year in washington dc where the press is not allowed the public is not allowed industry goes in there with federal officials and you can imagine there are scenarios where certain industries get benefits of we'll cover what you provide because we like you and you donate a lot of money but we agree not to cover through this insurance plan we're going to negotiate we won't cover plan y or this procedure because for various reasons we don't like it that company's not contributing as much to whatever the reason. So even the Medicare rates which is sort of a starting point of how thing what things might cost are themselves fraught with all kinds of lack of transparency.
1: So I just think <laughs> that to me the image of the blank pages is the summary of this entire story no matter how you cover it. Getting answers so hard. I want to say one little thing about the business we're in. I give some credit to the head of the North Carolina Hospital Association for sitting down to a long, not that easy of an interview, and um, he answered every question. He
0: sure did, and, and I always argue they're better off when they do that. Now, they don't always agree, and if I were them, I wouldn't necessarily trust me saying that, But certainly when the public can hear their side of things and we have more time to tell their side of the story than in a two-minute piece on the evening news like when I used to work for CBS, our stories are longer and they they get plenty of time to make their case. And yes, I think that was terrific that they sat down with us. It was eye-opening and I guess both sides got represented well.
1: And they always come off better for answering the questions than issuing some sort of email statement, which maybe we use... Ten seconds of right. or something.
0: Almost always.
1: Yeah. Always. <laughs> almost always.
0: <laughs> Not always, but almost always. Well, thanks for working with me on another really interesting story, and I hope you guys thought this was interesting too. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you did, leave a comment, like it, share it with your friends. And consider subscribing to the Cheryl Atkinson podcast and Full Measure After Hours. Those are two of my podcasts. You can listen to them on iTunes or your favorite distributor. Or visit com and just look at the podcast tab. You can listen to them right there. Do your own research. Make up your own mind. Think for yourself. Thanks for listening.